Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, yes, people. Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate. And listen, still coming at you from what we are still, I suppose, calling lockdown. It's not really... Uh, anymore, judging by the amount of people on the streets, but what can you do? Uh, motherfucker's got a motherfucker, I guess. So, uh, this week's episode is, I mean, obviously we've dedicated an entire episode uh, to Michael Ball and his uh, number one debut album. I mean, spoilers, we fucking haven't. We haven't. We couldn't. We tried. Uh, we listened to it. We had a little chat about can we do this or not it was difficult to find it wasn't on spotify our charity shop options were not as they normally would be so yeah we listened to a bit we heard enough and we gave you about i don't know 10-15 minutes at the start of it about that turns out though faith no more actually released an album called Angel Dust and we thought we might have a little bit more to talk about about that so the rest of this episode is dedicated to Faith No More's Angel Dust uh if you listen to this podcast uh it's not much of a spoiler to say that we both uh like this album so yeah we've got one of those chats on the go so we've got a tale of two cities we've got uh Michael Ball at the front spoilers but no we don't love it (laughs) and then uh, Faith No More at the back end, spoilers, we kind of fucking do. Uh, what else has been going on with us? We've been still doing our weekly quizzes. Um, thank you if you emailed us or messaged us and asked how we how you uh, contribute towards the podcast. Um, we weren't really expecting people to do that, so glad that they have. Because of it, we have kind of set up a donations thing. It's basically a... Uh, uh, a, a PayPal thing. If you go to our website, you can send us uh, a donation. Basically, we are uh, PCL Music Podcast at Gmail dot com on PayPal. Uh, you can send us donations if you have been enjoying the content we've been putting out and uh, you think it's worth something to you. Uh, obviously, this is a whole new territory for us. We I'm not entirely sure how comfortable we are about it, but you know, fuck it. We are put, we have put out a lot of content. So if you do, if it is worth something to you, please uh, make a donation to us. Um, yeah, or email us if you need any more information, etc., etc. Of course, if you uh, are not in a position to do that, you have no money, or please just continue to enjoy this for free. Yeah, we're just glad you guys listen to it. Anyway, with no further ado, we're going to crack on with this week's episode. Uh, check it out. See you soon. Bye. Yes, hello people, welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen, still coming at you from lockdown. My name, as ever, is Dave Fensom. I'm here with Mr. Chris DeGreer. Still here, how are you doing everyone? Oh man, uh, Waffles the dog is downstairs, he hasn't bothered to join me today, fucking splitter. Slacker, what's going on? I don't know man, he's got a ball. 
Oh, well, fair enough. If I had a ball, I'd be downstairs. Right, we are here. We are in lockdown. Thank you so much for everyone got in contact with us about the uh, um, last Iron Maiden episode. Uh, we had a lot of good feedback on that one, a lot of good chats with people about it. Uh, not a universally loved album, I think it's fair to say. No, absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of the feedback was kind of, admit- from the Maiden fans anyway, was admitting that that wasn't their best album, and yeah. that even though I was pretty scathing about some of it, they th- they said it- a lot of that was maybe fair because it's not very good. <laughs> But no, we didn't have anyone saying, uh, getting Cut. in contact and saying, yeah, fuck off, you bastards. I can't believe you didn't like this. So, yeah, maybe we were, you know, on the right track. Yet. Yet. I got an email from my mum, actually, uh, oh, yeah. just today. Yeah, she said she listened to it and she said, uh, I'm impressed that you and Dave can still be friends, dis- uh, considering how, <laughs> how much you disagreed on the Iron Maiden episode. Oh, yeah. Well, it's only because we were in different rooms. We've had an actual fight for the beginning <laughs> in the exactly. office recorded. Don't worry, uh, don't don't worry, Mrs. Greer, if you if you listen. Yeah, uh, I mean, he would win. I think. <laughs> <laughs> the the righteous anger of having to listen to an Iron Maiden. I'm on my side. Well, there you go. There you go. What can we do? What can we do? So this week, right? This week, fucking hell. We mentioned it in the last week's episode. This week, it was uh, due to be Michael Ball. What was the album called? It's just called Michael Ball. It's his first his debut album, yeah. So, turns out this album was quite hard to find. Um, some of our normal CD purchase options were not open to us. And oh, yeah, I bet you we could have found this in charity shops. We just didn't try very hard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't try at all. That's the truth. But what we did, we, we found we found most of the songs on YouTube and put together a YouTube playlist. And we had a listen through. Uh, and on the basis of that, we decided that perhaps what we wouldn't do was dedicate an entire episode to it for reasons that we're all under quite a lot of pressure. And this may have been the thing that made us both go insane. <laughs> quite. Yeah, Just that would have been snap. a step too far. Just wander down a fucking newly opened cafe and shoot everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so we we're gonna give you an overview. We have listened to this fucking record. Oh my god, we've listened to it, mm. uh, and we're gonna let you know. I mean, try not to give anything away. Failing <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah, spoilers. Okay, so let's talk about Michael Ball. Okay, so Michael Ball, like I say, it's his debut album, and it was number one for one week only, uh, from the twenty fourth of May, nineteen ninety two, for like I say, for one week and. It was, even though it's his debut, he did have that song Love Changes Everything as a single yes. back in uh, 1988, it was in. Uh, right. And so this is, I guess, he's had the hit with that, also because he's doing the Eurovision stuff in 92, and mm-hmm. he's just got a, a raft of various songwriters to come up with songs that he will sing in his his style. He will sing in his style, and that's the we go. So, I mean, if you don't know who Michael Ball is, I mean, he was, uh, I, I can't remember what, name, remember what the name of the musical was, but it was from an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Oh, it was Aspects it, of Love. Aspects of Love, that's the one. Aspects of Love. Yeah. Asbestos of Love. I remember that single coming out, that uh, Love Changes Everything, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, yeah, this is standard chart fodder. Didn't hate it, didn't no. like it particularly. It was there. Uh, it sounds like it's a song from a musical, and that's fine. I have nothing yeah. against musicals as well. No, me either, man. I love a good musical. Uh, I mean, I love a good musical. 
You got a favourite musical? Uh, musicals. I mean, I've got a few. Jesus Christ Superstar. Absolutely Banging. love. Banging. So fucking good, man. Uh, yeah. I love A Little Shop of Horrors. I would say that's probably my favourite. Uh, whenever yeah. I think of the total songs on an album, that's that's a strong you know, A to oh, Z. It's a fucking yeah. great record, man. But I mean, I, I love a musical in general. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big Lay Miz fan. I don't like the really super histrionic ones a lot of the time. I like sure. something a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of an edge to it. Those are my favourite ones. But, you right, know, okay. I'm, I'm not like a, I'm not a hater of the, of musical theatre. Exactly. And that's the thing. That's what, you know, I have no issues with that style of music and that's not going to be any reason that I will take against Michael Ball or songs that he sings. That's fine. Uh, just an aside, I've got a friend uh, of mine who is a big musicals fan. Um, he's actually colorblind, though. Uh, his his favourite one is Joseph and his amazing brown coat. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I, I can't believe I laughed at that. I cannot believe I laughed at that. That is upsetting to me on so many levels. Yeah, fair enough. I, I can't blame you. It's a damning indictment of, uh, <laughs> of drugs. No, this, this is how lockdown is affecting you. You're actually oh, laughing at these dreadful I shit. I can't believe I love it. It's, it's just nice to hear something from another human being. You know? <laughs> True, yeah. Fucking hell. In terms of this album, he has had, right, this is his first one. Since then, he's released 20 albums. Has like, he? Yeah, I mean, some of them are best of. Two or three of them are, are kind of compilations uh, sporadically throughout the career. Um, he's ju- I didn't realise this because I don't listen to any fucking modern music or Radio 1 or anything uh, he has just had a number one single in April he's done what? he just had a number one single with uh, that Captain Tom Moore uh, who did the laps of his garden um, with a version of You'll Never Walk Alone this is the fastest selling single of the year oh fuck off what's wrong with people? yeah there you go I mean, um, I, mean, th- I mean, you know, what fair fucking fair play to your, your fellow who wandered of around. Course, yeah, yeah. W- you know, well done to your lad for wandering around his garden. But, you know, I mean, exactly. oh, God, I'm, I'm not getting political on this podcast. Fucking hell. But yeah. not charity, though, really, is it, the NHS? Well, no, very much so. Absolutely not. Um, but it, it shows like he is still doing stuff. He's still there. Um, uh, he's got a radio show, I think, on either Radio 2 or Radio 3, which is all about musicals he plays stuff yeah. musicals um he has been on telly he's he's had his own chat show in his time he has been on coronation street for a while mm. he uh, hosted the one show a few times uh, you know he's done a lot of stuff yeah but i guess what what he has done constantly since i think about 1985 it said somewhere is he has just been in musicals he has just solidly been west end yeah. Broadway and musicals. i you know and i think Fair fucking play, mate. I think you've probably got a good voice for musicals. Absolutely. Uh, I've got no issue with it, but stay in your fucking lane, pal. Well, quite. Don't uh, don't make me listen to your albums. Is don't. This you? is yeah. This is too far. You've gone, Michael Ball. I would say. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so in the year that this was released, like I said, he was the UK's uh, choice to sing the Eurovision uh, Song Contest entry. I'm going to be honest with you, mate. I don't remember being asked. <laughs> no? Oh, mate, I'm no. from Ireland. We were all asked. <laughs> were you really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Coming over here, taking yeah. our songs. Oh, I'll tell you what, man. Um, the 92 Eurovision. I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about Eurovision because I don't. Right. But um, uh, the 92 Eurovision, I was going, was that the year? And it wasn't. I looked it up. Uh, if you look up the 1995 uh, Eurovision show on YouTube yeah. and look in the credits because uh, it's one that was held in Ireland right. about a minute in you'll see me juggling in Belfast amazing yeah 
indeed. I, I was uh, the circus that I was part of back then. Uh, were asked to do a wee bit of a, a show, just you know, for na- national flavour. Here you go. This is what's going on in Ireland. And yeah. the the thing is, as well, I was in university at the time. I was over in England, and I went back. I think it was Easter time. It was filmed. I went back just for like four days, yeah. and uh, I wasn't part of the circus anymore because I'd moved away. Yeah. And they said, "Oh, look, Christer." We've been asked to do this. Do you want to calm down and help out? Because some of the younger kids, you know, it would just be good to have a few more of the kind of the tutor people there. And I was like, yeah. look, fine. It'll take me two hours, no problems. And uh, the only footage they used from the two or three hours that they filmed was a close-up of my face. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't even in the circus at that point anymore. I felt a wee bit bad. Ah, yeah, well, fuck oh, well. But fuck them. Do you know what I mean? Fuck yeah, exactly. If, if they haven't got those fucking... They haven't got my face. Classic good looks of the grey. What can exactly. they do? Yeah, but yeah, no, that was that was nineteen ninety five. So uh, that's uh, that's down the line. I'm not sure if we're going to have to cover whatever album that was. I hope not. Yeah, let's let's fucking hope not. Anyway, so let's normally we would do an album cover at this point. I haven't that's seen it. the album cover. What I can say uh, is his face is on this the cover of these YouTube. Fucking yeah, hate his face. Single. Yeah, I hate his face. I, hate I mean, he's face. just so uh, generic, inoffensive musical uh, primetime TV. That's what it is. He looks like the guy that you really hope doesn't become your stepfather, or the guy who uh, ends up going out with the the main girl in the movie and then gets killed by the serial killer because he's too fucking pure and annoying. I, I just, just yeah, I, I no, I, I don't see pure in him. I just see, I see. What are you hiding? Oh, you reckon? Yeah, mm. fucking closet full of shoes, mate. I see. Okay, Tiny well, shoes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so with nothing to say about the album cover because well, don't know what it looks like. Um, but yeah, track one is the Eurovision single for the year, which is called One Step Out of Time. Mm. One Step Out of Time. Well, that's chart fodder. What the fuck is this? Yeah. What are they doing? Well, it, for Eurovision, especially I guess in the early 90s, it's just what's the least offensive thing we can come up with that other countries won't hate? Yeah, look, man, this is uh, this is somewhere between a really bad share song. Definitely share in there, yeah. A really bad share song. And, like, the... You know, we, we've talked about the going for gold theme tune thing before. Yes, Bit of that in there. I was thinking, more than anything, it sounds like uh, the theme song for a daytime soap opera. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Sons and Daughters or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's got it's got uh, X, X Factor semi-finalist written all over it. Right, sure. Oh, some nice backing vocals there. Oh, fuck yeah. It's yeah, awful. It's, it's, it, 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 like, it made me feel sick. Um, but I, I don't have any sort of visceral reaction to this because it just sounds like I bet you there's 14 other things in the top 20 this week that sounded just like this. I see. I don't think it, it, to me it's it it, sta- it it stands out with its epic beigeness. Well, actually, maybe by this point, 1992, there probably weren't that uh, that many. This sounds like it should have been another 1988 or 89. Uh, you remember, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's it's bad. It's bad from start to finish. His voice, you know, his voice is a classic one of those examples where 
it, just because someone's got a good singing voice, it doesn't mean that you have to like it. I hate the way he, and I hate everything that he does with his voice here. I hate all oh, yeah. of the the emphasis. I hate the overblown. And then there's just the whole. He's trying. It's like it's nice guy rock, right? Mm-hmm. That just is utterly incongruous with itself. And then he just cannot help himself when he goes full showtime, doesn't he? Towards the end, and he oh, starts yeah. doing that. Oh, fucking dipshit. Yeah, well, that's his voice. That's all he knows how to do, really. You can tell he's holding it back for the most part. Mate, this wouldn't. This song wouldn't make a David Hasselhoff album that would have been released the same kind of time. Wow. I don't. Okay. I don't it's, yeah, it sounds like one of the ones that he'd be offered. Yeah, exactly. This is like this is Hasselhoff without the redemptive self-parodying final chapter. <laughs> oh dear. Right, Cheese well, shit. This is the guy that you work with that you cannot stand. But you're right about the, the voice. He's he's got that kind of uh, musical lovey twang to it. He's putting on a bit of a US accent occasionally. He's doing that mm-hmm. American style vocals, uh, but it does have a saxophone in it. A couple of minutes in, which you that's, know that's not a good saxophone. It's not good, but it it's, it it redeems it to an extent for me. I mean, he's not fucking around with saxophones. Wait till the next song. Well, shall we get into number two? Okay, well, let's look. What I say is, yep. I've got notes for some of these, not oh, all sure. of them. Yeah. But let's let's go through them quite quickly because we've got another record to get to. Yes, absolutely. Okay, right. Yeah, I mean that one's the big single of this album, so we're yeah. kind of already past the, the the main focus anyway. So uh, track yeah. number two, it's still you. All right. Okay. Okay. A little bit of a, a, a bongo drum. Oh my god. We have a saxophone emergency. <laughs> someone has someone someone call the saxophone surgeon. <laughs> oh, this is awful. Oh, you yeah. words like commitment. That, yeah, shockingly bad. Oh, listen to this. This, this is a song about emotions, to some, sung by someone that's never felt any. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is another. It's a big ballad. It's got a bit, bit more of a musical feel to it than the previous one, which was a pop or a pop single. Um, this fucking song, man. Like, as soon as that chorus came in, I like physically recoiled from. It. I was like, oh, what the fuck oh, is that? The first yeah. time I heard it, I was like, oh, dude, what are you listening to from the other room? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you wouldn't want to be caught listening to this album, would you? No, Christ, no. I mean, I mean, the saxophone, Christ Almighty. I mean, I love. A saxophone, you know, in, but you know, yep. in the same way that I like, you know, surgery. But at some point, you create Frankenstein, and that's what's happened here. Ah, I see. I, you see, I, I like the saxophone. I think it's well, I know it's because it's ridiculous, because it's fucking stupid. Yeah. I think it's great fun at the start of that. The song itself is dog shit, obviously, but yeah, there, there's some I lyrics in this, man. The, the lyric mm. uh, "Forever" sounds just wonderful. <laughs> 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 Mate, these are the ditherings of an emotional imbecile. Well, I mean, let, you know, let's also point out that he—he's not written any of these songs. You know, he's singing other people's words. This one is written by a guy called Richard Kerr. Uh, he wrote a few songs on this uh, this album. He did a lot of stuff with Barry Manilow in the seventies. Yeah. You can kind of see that. Uh, he yeah, wrote Mandy, can. for example. You know, that's a sort of shit. And he wrote for loads of other people back then. But that's a, this is now nineteen ninety-two. His heyday is twenty years past. Yeah, and he's now writing album fillers for Michael Ball. But you know, the thing is, though, the reason they've done that is because they're trying to sell records to people 
who were last buying records 20 years ago. This well, has been yeah, aimed true. squarely at your your uh, early 90s British housewife. Yeah, indeed. And it's also the sort of thing that you would have bought for your gram for Christmas. Oh, this is a Mother's Day present. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. This is a kind of, uh, kind of bland shit that gets flogged as... Why do they? Why? Why do people like? That? Oh, he's got such a nice voice. Oh, he yeah. seems like such a nice lad. It, I, I do. I think it's that. I think it's the clean cut image as well. It's, oh, he, he looks like he'd be just be lovely to have around for tea. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. No rubbish. That one. It's Dog still shit. you. Absolute rubbish. Next one. Next one was this a secret of love? Is that one? Holland Park. Oh God, no! I, I, no! I, I listened to this one once. I had nothing to say about Holland Park. <laughs> I have nothing to say about it. I'm not. Fair enough. Enc- I'm not encouraging that one. Uh, I mean, right. I'm gonna. You know, you feel, no, feel free to. I'm gonna play it underneath me while I look and see what I've written. Uh, I've written annoyingly breathy vocal. That's, oh yeah, this one. Yes, this is a bit totally musical numbers. This is exactly his target audience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's horrible. It really is. It's the worst. It's, it's like it's like oh no. I've come to a musical. I thought it was going to be fun, but it's one of these musicals. Oh no! Oh, he just started singing in the music. Walking through Holland Park. Yeah, yeah. Like, it sounds like he's fucking just recovering from emphysema. <laughs> so yeah. So next one was Secret of Love. Then was it? Next, next one is Secret of Love. Absolutely. My, I've only got one note on this. Just says that, that bass is so fucking awful. I made a note of, on the bass of this because I thought Dave's gonna hate the bass on this. Oh my god! <laughs> it's such like eighties wine bar uh, oh cheesiness, isn't it? It's, it's the kind of music that they, they play at the Dagmar, which was the uh, the wine bar they opened in Albert Square in EastEnders as oh, right. competition to the Queen Victoria, circa about nineteen eighty four. Oh God! Okay, well, yes, exactly. That's that's what it is. It's you know, if uh, if Sade said, "Oh, this song's too shit for me," Michael Ball lapped it up. Oh, absolutely, mate! Like, yeah. like a saucer of milk. Yeah, but I, the thing is, I have put on this on my notes. Like, this is probably my favourite so far because it's so insanely, insipidly cheesy uh, that it, it's almost comic. I, I would like to say that I do not have a favourite amongst these. <laughs> really, just uh, kill them all. I view this album in the same way I view my hemorrhoids. They are, they they exist, and there's nothing I can do about them. But I'm certainly not favouring one of them over any others. I I'm see. just trying to get away with it before they make my shit itch too much. It's <laughs> a good uh, good analogy. I like it. Mm. Uh, okay, so that's secret of love. Uh, yeah, I don't even know who wrote. That. I've not even made a note about who wrote that one. So it must have been. I mean, no one admits. Surely, no one's admitting to writing that. Well, no one's making any money off it. I guarantee that. No one's getting good residuals on this rubbish. Uh, right, next although, one. Although, ironically, it sounds like it's probably covered in some kind of residue. Yes. Uh, <laughs> next one, number five. Soft response. Right. Okay. Oh, this is this is the one with Terry Wogan at the start. Um, the only video I can find is. Uh, version of him doing it on Wogan as dreams go by oh yeah I've, I've very limited notes on this one as well uh huh I'll let you do oh, yours first I've got some good facts I'll, I'll, I'll fact you up on this one if you want I'll, t- I'll take your facts mate I mean you're not going to like my opinion well you might oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that okay so the co-writers on this there's two writers uh, who are a writing team they're called Andy Hill and Peter Sinfield and they've been writing stuff since about 1980 uh, main stuff they wrote uh, through the 80s was for Bucks Fizz, including Banana okay. Make Believe and Making Your Mind Up. Yep. Decent 
pop songs in the 80s. They also wrote Think Twice for Celine Dion. I bet you they made a ton of cash off that one. I fucking bet they did. Uh, one of them, Peter Sinfield, was a writer on Five Star's Rain or Shine single. Good okay. tune. Good tune. Good tune, yeah. But uh, so you're getting this, they're, they're you know, a pop writing team. But uh, Peter Sinfield had started off as a member of King Crimson back in the late ah, 60s. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, he wrote lyrics for them. He wrote their nice. lyrics, uh, the really fucking out there weird lyrics, uh, and helped out with some of their artwork for their first four albums. And then he started writing stuff with Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And so, then he went, I know where the money is, it's with well, these yeah. bricks. Yeah, indeed, exactly. I've, I've used up all of my kind of King Arthur lyric imagery that I could <laughs> possibly do, uh, and I've drawn enough space paraphernalia on album covers. Time to make a bit of cash. Exactly. It's, it's a pretty tough job, though. It's like how many things actually rhyme with Guinevere. <laughs> totally. So, but yeah, that, that's the only facts I've got. Uh, song-wise, it's another Michael Ball song, really, isn't it? My, my, my notes to this one just say, ah, oh, fuck off, mate. <laughs> How many uh, A's in the ah? Uh? Uh, three. Ah, oh, uh, yep, I'll, I'll take that. I'll absolutely take that, okay. Now, the next one, though, is that Who Needs to Know About Us? Uh, yes, it is. Well, this one, uh-huh. I'll let you play it if you want to play it. Obviously. I'm playing it underneath me. But the, the lyrics of uh, the lyrics on this one just sound like he's grooming a child. You're gonna okay. You're gonna have to explain that to me a bit. Well, he's like, who needs to know about our love? It's like, oh, it's it's like, it's, so what, what? What? Why is this all got to be such a secret? And why are you trying to persuade them? Oh, no one needs right. to know. No one needs to come see. here. Come here. Come here. Sit on my knee. Sit on my knee. Fuck and he's, the video I'm watching is him singing his own Wogan as well to the nation. Exactly. I, I mean, you know, Wogan died with his uh, reputation intact. Let's hope that it's right. not sullied by this fucking pedo anthem. God, I, oh, yeah, I don't want to be the, the downfall of Wogan. Probably uh. for that. Uh, m- my only note is uh, I've just written Can't Be Arsed by this point. That's all oh, I man, I couldn't be arsed by two, two... I'd say two notes into the first song I had mm. given up the will to live. All right, well, uh, the next one on the album, anyway, is A Simple Affair of the Heart. Mm-hmm. Which uh, it turns out that I forgot to add into the YouTube playlist, so Dave hasn't heard at all. I have not. Has nothing to say about it. Um, here's what I have to say about it. The co-writers on this one um, are people. Called, they're two guys called Guy Fletcher and Doug Flett, who've written songs for lots of lots of actually. Again, people like the Bay City Rollers, Cliff Richard, Jill Cocker, that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, big act, but didn't write any of their hits. But um, the main thing to say is that they discovered and managed Chris DeBerg. Well, so they are responsible for Mr. DeBee. Well, there you go, mate. Um, lady, ladies in red, everywhere rejoice. Rejoice, yes, quite. Um, all right, well, yeah, that's track number seven. It's also rubbish. I'm playing a little bit underneath me, so I'm, you know, the, the listener will be able to discern that we're not fooling anybody by saying these are terrible. Nah. Yeah, it's fine. Awesome. Uh, but, uh, Number eight, then? Should we go on to number eight? Yeah, no one cries anymore. Yeah. Well, this is this is just a kind of a wish fulfillment fantasy song for divorcees, isn't it? This is a song that is firmly aimed at divorcees, and it's almost like a fantasy wish fulfillment of like, well, why couldn't I've been a ma- with a man like this, a man that the doesn't exist? Man. Yeah, I mean the perfect man. He's got a plastic fucking patch where his dog should be. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's, not, it's more a kind of wavering voice, simpering stuff. Simpering is absolutely the right word. Yeah, and you know, if this were in the middle of a musical where the well, it's time for the slow song and the spotlight goes down on him and he's singing about whatever problems he's been having, there it goes. It fits there. Don't care. I'd be happy because it would be a soundtrack and wouldn't be part of our criteria. Well, that's you, ter- you turn it into a pop record, you're treading on my fucking feet, brother. Yeah, true. Now I've got yeah. to talk about it on the internet. Bastards, bastards, all of them. And then the uh, the final song, of course, included uh, on the album was "Love Changes Everything." No, there's, there's 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 another one. I'm afraid. Is there another one? I I don't have one on the playlist. Oh fuck! I've, we've missed one. What, we, oh no, we haven't. Uh, we just leave that. Right, yeah, we've we've missed one out accidentally. There you go. We missed. It if you need another love, don't care. Uh, the number nine was "Beautiful Heartache," which isn't on YouTube either. Uh, yeah, no one cries anymore. We just did, and then yeah, like you say, sorry, the last one then is. I guess because they they went, we've got to make some money somehow. We'll put on the other hit. Yeah. Love changes everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's a, it's yeah. a big dramatic song from a musical. I, <sighs> I have far less of a problem with it than the rest of the stuff because it, it is what it is. It's not I mean, him. It, it, there's no, no one's wearing a leather jacket in the video. Fine. Yeah. Standard musical fare. Bit of a key change in the middle. That'll, that's that's fine. It's done. It's, it's you know, Michael. You've you've lived a career. You've survived for as long as you have. You know what your thing is. I suspect he probably looks back on this album, and apart from the money it made him, probably goes, "Oh, don't like these songs that much." Oh, absolutely. And there's probably a reason that this album isn't on Spotify because no one wants to listen to this anymore. No one wants no. to hear Michael Ball doing non-show tunes. No. All of his other albums. Are you know like Rod Stewart would do an album of cover versions of other standards of classics? That's all his other albums is, is stuff like that, and I get that. That's your market, and that's what's going to be given to someone you don't really care about as a present. This one, yeah, it's nonsense. I, I don't have a general problem with Michael Ball, but I hate him for having produced this. Yeah. yeah. Right. Can we stop talking about it now? We can. That's it. Done. Done. All right, Ball done. Okay. Great stuff. What is the other album we're going to talk about today, then, Christopher? Well, here you go. So, the, in the sort of the time period around Michael Ball's album coming out, uh, it came out in May, and at the start of June in 1992, mm-hmm. was released Faith No More's Angel Dust. Holy shit! Faith No More's yeah. Angel Dust, you say? Yeah, I do me. indeed, and it only got to number two in the charts, so we mm-hmm. wouldn't be talking about it. Uh, in normal fashion, but this is a decent excuse to do so. Exactly. So, where are you with Faith No More now? Where were you in 92? In 92, I was uh, a fan of the real thing. A friend mm-hmm. of mine had been really into that album. I loved going to the indie club in my town, and you'd always hear Epic. You know, yeah. Or you'd, you'd hear you know stuff off that. And I was a big fan. I, speaking of the circus, me and my mate had a juggling routine to Woodpeckers from Mars. Nice. Off, uh, off the Real Thing album. So I was a fan of the album. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Whenever this album came out, I didn't have it at the time. Uh, but a friend taped it for me a couple of weeks afterwards. And mm. I really enjoyed it. I wasn't uh, an absolute fanatic about it. But then I hadn't been about the Real Thing either. I really liked it, but I wasn't mad into it. Okay. Uh, but it's it stayed, you know, obviously, where are we now, 28 years on, It's mm-hmm. it's got staying power, you know, it really does. 
about absolutely, yourself? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Uh, well, for me, I mean, Faith No More were absolutely like a massive gateway band for me. As soon as I heard Epic, uh, like sort of on top of the pops, I think, and was just like, what I need to hear this. Right. Uh, probably, you know, one of the first metal bands that I properly got into. And then when this came out, it came out in June. I didn't have it. Um, I saw I saw them live, actually, on this record uh, with mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses in the June. But again, just didn't have i think i maybe bought two albums that whole summer you know sure. uh you know didn't have the money uh but then as soon as i got to sixth form college in the september i had a copy of this day one and this just became a record that i played and played and played and played and played oh uh, right and yeah and and it's still an album that i play a lot as well this is this is mm. uh an album that i have listened to more than most albums i've ever listened to Sure, and it's the one that gets mentioned in a lot of kind of best of the '90s in the rock genre, best of the '90s ones, um, because it was a, a kind of a bit of a game changer for, yeah. for stuff. It's a bit different to everything else that's going on, um, and it's massively influential. Even if you you know weren't there at the time, you'll have felt the ripples in whatever you were getting into in '95 or '98 or whatever. Exactly, it's, it's, it, it's done a lot of other stuff. They were a, a groundbreaking band, obviously. They came out. Uh, well, I mean, they've, they've been a band for a long while, you know. It was, sure. they, you know, they, they had introduced yourself. They had you know, two albums with Chuck Mosley, uh, had him as a singer for a long time. Then, obviously, for the real thing, they got rid of him, got in Mike Patton, and mm-hmm. it was when Mike Patton came in that things kind, of, you know, they really caught the big time on that album. So when this album came out, they were doing big business in the UK. They'd done big business in the states as well. Uh, obviously, they'd been out supporting Guns N' Roses, got toured with Metallica, all these kind of big bands. They were one of the biggest bands in the genre in the world. This album comes out, and it's quite a big departure from that kind of funk rock sound of their previous stuff. Mike Patton's musical influences start to make themselves felt on this record. At the same time, they're falling out with their long-term guitarist, big sick ugly jim martin yeah. who's like you know famously a big kind of heavy metal jack daniels kind of guy and you know was not as big of a fan of some of the new directions they were heading in with this or a lot of internal struggles this album is recorded at a time of conflict for them but it comes out at a time where like you say they've got success and mm. because of that success i mean two things have happened the record company have gone right we want here, here's some money go and record your next big album because this is going to be your big breakthrough one yeah. uh, it's going to be even bigger Red Hot Chili Peppers have just released Blood Sugar Sex Magic last year which went fucking huge this is a big type of genre at the minute mm-hmm. so Faith No More we've got a lot riding on you go and make us a hit and at the yeah. same time Faith No More because they've had some success have the confidence to go well to be honest we're going to write whatever we want and you yeah. can't stop us yeah, because whatever you think about this record, right, and we have some opinions, mm-hmm. you can fucking bet that this was not the record that the record company wanted. Exactly. No, uh, you, you can imagine the look on some of the, the execs' faces when, okay, there's a couple of more radio-friendly or video-friendly songs, but there's so many just out there bits and pieces that they must have gone, ah, shit. I think you're absolutely right. And let's we always start here with the album cover. Sure, yep. And I think that is a prime example of what's going on. Because let's I mean I've got I mean I've got here on vinyl. Oh, nice vinyl, lovely. 
Nice double vinyl. This is the reissue. I haven't got the original. Uh-huh. On the front, you've got a beautifully photographed stork. Uh, I've read it's an egret. I don't know. Is it an egret? Okay, I whatever don't know. it is. Whatever it is. And a very, very pretty white bird. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. Lo- lovely front cover. Beautifully photographed, but fucking that's not a very metal album cover, is it? It certainly is not. No, it's got. it says nothing about what is inside for the band. You know, you look at the real thing album cover, that's pretty metal. Sure, absolutely. That looks, like a, that looks like a metal record. This looks like it is deliberately doing everything it possibly can to not, not look like a metal record on the front. However, if you turn to the back page, mm-hmm. you will uh, you'll see this uh, beautiful scene from an abattoir. Like yeah. a, a, a cow's head hanging up. Uh, uh, a load of carcasses, basically. Yeah, it's exactly, a, it's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful scene. And, you know, that was all about the juxtaposition between... You know the beauty and the barbarity of nature and all of that kind of shit. Sure, um, and and you know their way of saying you're gonna get some uh, sort of gorgeous stuff in this album, but it's also going to be a lot of fucking horror. Yeah, and as much as anything, they've been a band that have always absolutely delighted in fucking with your expectations. Indeed. And well, especially since this album, not necessarily beforehand, but since Patton yeah. was more cemented in in his role and had more say of what they did I'm guessing mm-hmm. that from then on absolutely they would just fuck with you for a laugh yeah absolutely you know uh, I mean the amount of bullshit stories that exist around Faith and the More just stuff that they made up in interviews and stuff that just got widely reported as true um, sure. you know, they, just, they just loved disinformation and fucking around with people anyway so mm-hmm. so track one Land of Sunshine Land of sunshine, man. Listen to that bass line, that Billy Gould bass line. Brilliant. And already you can you can hear the mic board and drums, the solid beat on that. Always like loads of stuff on the toms. Everything's kind of like kind of deep compound rolls. Always super on beat. It's got that kind of slightly hip hop element to it. Right. Yep. And very pattern vocals. Yeah. yeah, I mean the lyrics of these—they're all like kind of uh, like cut-up things from. I mean, you've heard different versions over the years. I've self-help books. So Scientology was the uh, the one that I heard people say. The personality test, yeah. Yeah, the personality tests, you know. Um, and fortune cookies. Yeah. Do you feel sometimes that age is against you? You know, all, all those kind of all these kind of bits, man. And it's just you know so much with my parents. The, the words have always got a a texture and they've got something to hold on to, but it's never really about what the song is about. It's the way it's delivered, I find, with Faith Well, I, I can only assume that this song isn't really about anything because it's no. so random and deliberately just clipped phrases and absorbed sound really mm-hmm. so I, yeah. I, I would assume there's not a, a narrative on this one at all really is there no well, I, don't, I don't think so I don't think so and I think I think even some of the songs where you can see a narrative I'm not sure that that narrative is that fucking important to him oh no I, and he seems to have quite a disdain for, for lyrics yeah that's I, I, fair enough on that I noticed as I was going through this album and looking at the lyrics and looking at the, the notes that people were writing that's really a lot of the time, because lyrics are never the first thing I hear in a song, it's, it's yeah. more the beat of the beat, I'm totally fine going through this and not knowing what he's talking about. I don't need to know. I don't need to look into it. Um, and to be honest, a lot of the time, I was 
looking at the lyrics and going, ah, I had no idea. At 28 years, I had no idea those were the lyrics, and I was okay with that. I don't yeah, need to. And there were, I, I have, I've listened to this album more than nearly any other record, but no. I don't recall a time I've ever sat down and read the lyrics. Because no. a lot of the time, the reason you can't make out the lyric is because it's being delivered in a loud, yeah, I mean? sure, yeah. deep scream. And I'm, I, I kind of know the tone and intonation of all of those things, even if I don't know right, the words. Absolutely, yeah. Normally, there's a melody and some words, or you know, a rhythm and some words to pick out. With Patton, there is so much more to decipher because he's so all over the fucking shop. Yeah, it's almost too much to absorb sometimes. Absolutely, and and this one, uh, it because it's being deliberately obtuse and nonsensical to a degree. Apart from the bits where you know, here's how to order, or the the, the bits where you go, okay, that's definitely a hook that I can sing along to. Yeah. The rest of it, I'm happy just to let flow over me a lot. I, I mean, I, I just, I, I really, uh, I really like the choices. I really like the way, the kind of the phrasing, everything's put together. Mm-hmm. Like how nice his voice sounds at moments before it just drops into some kind of horrible scream. Sure. Like how, you know, this is, this is a very, very good opening statement for this song. Cause it's a very all over the place song, very schizophrenic in its way. Uh-huh. Uh, does things you don't necessarily expect it to do and straight away you're like oh okay this is not the real thing part two well I agree that it is not but I do think that it is a good bridge from the real thing because there are bits of this the keyboard sound the bass bit I think do sound a bit like some bits of the real thing in a way that a lot of the other songs on this album don't so I think I think it's an easing in uh, into what you're going to get I still think if you uh, listen to what happens after that kind of slightly familiar bit and you go into this really kind of overfed, noisy sound that you've got not, you know, the closest you get to that is Surprise You're Dead on The Real, on, uh, the okay. real Thing which uh-huh. is a pretty much a straight up metal kind of growl. It hasn't got those kind of weird kind of uh, noise band elements that Patton brings into, the, into this song you know no, uh, I'm, I'm probably not talking about him so much as I am the rest of the instruments, to be honest. I, I reckon that's sure. where I, what I'm hearing more Sure, but I, I, just, I just think it's this extra level of dissonance that comes in. You're like, oh, okay, this is going further, and it's not quite as funky, and it's not going to be quite mm-hmm. as easy. You know, it's, you're not going to be able to kind of, you know, you're not going to be able to really understand where it's going quite as well as you could with the last record. Yeah, I, yeah It's going to be more, more unpredictable. Not. Yeah, for sure, for sure on that one. Um, I read that so whenever he was writing the lyrics on this one, as well as taking just clips of from fortune cookies or whatever, um, he was also doing a sort of a sleep deprivation experiment on himself, where he mm-hmm. would stay up for forty eight hours and drive round town at night, just watching people and sitting outside late night diners and seeing what was going on, just trying to get a, a flavour of. The, the the world around him in this yeah. fucked up state right which is an interesting thing to do so he did that and also actually the next one the lyrics for the next one were the, uh, during the same uh, experiment as well nice well the, yeah. you know you, if you're going to stay up for that amount of time you're going to drink a lot of <laughs> hey a bit of caffeine you know, <laughs> a bit of caffeine guys a little <laughs> bit of a link in there we're going to go straight oh. to the next song hey guys this one's called caffeine <laughs> uh, should we do this one then actually <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. Animal noise. Yeah, is that a slaughterhouse? Is that what we're led to believe? It's that kind, yeah, it's that kind of noise. It sounds more like a, a zoo, I think. Yeah, who knows? Oh, come on. Big riff. Ah, oh, pick a dab. 
Oh my god. And I mean, initially, this already sounds like darker and harder. It's like how abrasive and tight that riff is. Yeah. You hear the tuning on the drums, the way that snare just breaks through the riff. Uh, I think the snare sounds really good on this album. I don't think that the the kick drum always sounds great because I think it's a bit muted. I think yeah, it could you, be better. Yeah, I think you uh, I think you lose the I think you lose the kick a bit because the bass has been tuned down so low as well. So yeah, true. The two kind of kick each other out a little bit. But that's um, a, just where where it goes back into that into that it slows it down in this yeah. little mini breakdown. That's brilliantly done. And there's so but, many of these little bits. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I'm not, look, no one does nuances in screams like my man. Like, you know, there's a lot of screamers out there, but most of them haven't got the the, the sheer level of range that that well, has got else. to back things out, yeah. you know. And this is the nuances and the little fucking changes in this, and it's so apparent. And the first time you hear this song, you're like, oh wow, this is just fucking mental and heavy. But there's uh, so many little bits and pieces in it, man. Like that, that low menace it gets into when it all kind of slows down. And doom, doom, doom. Oh, just one thing. Oh, what are you? No, this is it's a great, great tune. It's terrifying, man. It is actually, you know, it's kind of music that if you're kind of in the wrong mindset, it is frightening. It's it, it's your it's spacey. It's, it, and, and you know, this bit, this this is breakdown again where it's going into more weirdness there's so much of that going on it's really well put together this is one of my favorite favorite uh songs on this record i love oh, this yeah. song yeah i yeah i've you know i, I mean do you remember at the, whenever you heard this at time i must admit i don't remember the first time i heard this at all i just remember that i liked the album do you remember going oh god this is you know, oh, this, I, I would say this was this song was probably almost definitely too much for me when I first heard it. Right, you're like, what? Um, yeah, you know, I was, you know, I was drawn to, you know, some of the bigger singles, some of the stuff that had more. But it mm. was the other songs that got their hooks into me later on and right. made me listen to loads of really horrible music down the line. <laughs> right, I see. It's <laughs> yeah, a good man. kicking off point. Oh, mate, I love, you know. This this song I would say is almost single-handedly responsible for all of the really horrible shit that I go and see. Nice. It does yeah. sound like the, some some bits do sound like uh, they they evoke a horror film, but uh, really just menacing horror film. Yeah, I think that, that, very much that. That, that that menace is the best way. It's kind of almost a kind of you know. There's a lot of David Lynch in my pat and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's very much that kind of disquieting, un, you know, uneasy. Mm, What's going to happen a little next? Bit then off. It, yeah, then it just fucking explodes. And it's always that's the thing that it, the the restraint before the fact that they don't overplay that means it always has some level of of power to right, it. You sure. know. Sure. But that that little uh, what was the little refrain in it, man? Almost sweet talk caffeine. The way he fucking screams that out. Almost oh, sweet talk caffeine. So <laughs> fucking good, man. So good. I I love this song. I think it's uh, yeah. a beautiful bit of fucking horrible, horrible, scary, dissonant. Everything that I love in heavy music. Cool. That well, yeah. It's all of those things, definitely. But then next one is you're yep. saying you're, you're initially drawn to the big ones the next one is kind of the big one it certainly is wow so this is midlife crisis yeah man and th- there's one of the most recognisable drum intros you'll ever know 
Yeah, man. I'm almost amazed that there's no massive hip-hop tune that has this as its beat. I, I looked it up in case there was, and there's not. What I did find out weirdly, though, because I was looking at samples, there is, underneath the drums, there's a sample from Simon and Garfunkel's Cecilia. Nice. Yeah, which runs under the drum beat, weirdly. Listen to this, I mean, that's, it's been the same beat all the way through so far. Beat hasn't changed at all. Yeah. The, only the keys are changing and the guitar and Patton's vocal start. And then one, two. You're perfect. Magic. This song, man. I mean, this is this is up there in my top favourite three songs of all time. How many times have you danced to this in rock clubs? In the oh, night? so many, man. And so many more around my fucking bedroom in my pants. <laughs> like, I, this song, it, it, I cannot think of another song. Another song that I've heard this many times and still has this power on me. I mean, it's the perfect one for that as well, for dancing around, because it's got that big, the massive crashing... Uh, loud guitars when it comes in. It's got yeah. the kind of the shout along lyrics. Men- your menstruating heart. That's a brilliant line. Oh my god! Ain't bleeding enough for it two. Ain't bleeding enough for two. Brilliant. Yeah. That lyric itself though. That you're perfect. Yes, it's true. But without me, you're only you. Your menstruating heart ain't bleeding enough for two. That's fucking brilliant. I mean, yeah, it's, that is. Uh... I mean, it's nonsense, but it's great. <laughs> it is not. But you're perfect. Yes, it's true. But without me, you're only you. That is a great put down. Oh yeah, for sure, man. But um, look, man, drum sounds amazing on this record. The synth just adds this level of depth to the whole sound that yeah. kind of set, you know. Let's face it, most metal bands with a keyboard are dog shit. But Roddy Bottom knows what he's doing here. Those kind of staccato rhythms, pattern just spitting out the lyrics. I think you're right about the keyboard in this one because I, you know, definitely on the last album, I think the keys were much higher in the mix and it was much more of a synthy sound yeah. going on. Uh, on the first track on this, on Land of Sunshine, I think there's more of the synth on top and it mm-hmm. sounds, maybe that's why it sounds more like the other one. But by this point, it is just kind of under there. And so it's not the primary, uh, it's the secondary, but it works brilliantly in the build. Yes. And uh, from, from looking around at samples as well, I didn't realise that... Uh, they, they, there is a sample of the Beastie Boys car thief in the middle of this one. The, What's uh, that? Uh, it's the bit where it goes... <laughs> that, that bit. Oh, that's that, is it? That is a sped-up version of the intro of Car Thief of Paul's BT. Ah, fair enough. Just being triggered as a sample, obviously. Yeah, indeed. Working. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there you go. Um, and also, I'm reading around this, and this apparently is written potentially about Madonna. Uh, oh really yeah and it's about how Patton would see her uh, in 92 91 92 I'm guessing she's on the erotica uh, yeah. album uh-huh. and he's saying this is a bit undignified and you're you're trying too hard and right. he, you know although even though she's not in a midlife time frame he called it a midlife crisis and yeah. was 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 sort of saying you don't you shouldn't be doing this you don't try so hard you're uh, embarrassing yourself sort of a way uh, and apparently the, the song was called Madonna up until they released the album they, and they still put it as Madonna on some of their uh, set lists when they play live that yeah. was what the, it was originally called and I also wonder now if 
Mike Patton, who is, you know, probably best part of 50 now, banging out <laughs> fucking songs with Phantom Mass, looks at those lyrics and goes, uh, uh, you know, yeah. maybe I'm, yeah, I get it now. You- youthful exuberance. We're all the fucking wrong side of it now, and we're all doing stuff. Right. Mate, if, if, if I'd written songs when I was 20 and listened to yeah. them now, I'd be horrified with myself, I'm sure. Same as that, my friend, same as that. Uh, and I did, and I've still got them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, but yeah, brilliant so, stuff, brilliant. So, Midlife Crisis, and then we go into track four, which is RV. And this is where you're going... Hold on, what's happened? Yeah. This is a, 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 a right turn. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is kind of almost a novelty record. Indeed, this is almost listen. a skit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and that's how I thought of it for quite a long time. But I actually genuinely love this song. Oh, really? But I, I love this I love this as a song. It makes, you know, obviously it's a kind of a, a trailer trash kind of pastiche. It's a throwaway kind of yeah. joke of a song. But I just really like the way it sounds. I just really okay. like this kind of, uh, like, kind of shitty trash dive bar like lounge guitar going on behind yeah and uh yeah just like the, the kind of the the gentle lilting rhythm of it you know sure oh yeah it, it sounds probably nice I and mean, you know it's a nice little almost like hawaiian style guitar like just went on it's it's got a nice sound to it and it's interesting because he's got this weird persona that he's playing this role he's taken on as mm-hmm. someone some redneck hillbilly uh, and he's doing this croony stuff, and it, it, it sounds all very nice. Even when he's talking about suicide and stuff like yeah. that, you know, hanging himself in the shower, it sounds very nice. But I do, I do feel like this is a bit of a novelty song that grew into a full song for whatever reason. I, I would, think it's fine, but it doesn't wouldn't, really do wouldn't money. take it off the record. It wouldn't be the same record without it. No, I'm, I'm yeah, you're, I'm fine with, with keeping on there, but I think if we went straight from Midlife Crisis into the next track, yeah. this album wouldn't flow in the same way. Wouldn't okay, be I as see. good. Oh no, it's totally fun. Right, okay, so that's your first four songs on on Angel Dust, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm four, four for four. four. For, I'm, for, I, I'm totally fine with four for four. I, I'm saying that RV doesn't really do much for me, but I have nothing against it. I I'm fine with it being on there, but I could I could live without it. I suspect. Fair enough, man. I mean, I'm, it's the sort of thing if you could set it up right, where if I was listening to this album every fifth time I listened to this album, it came on. I'd be like, yeah. oh yeah, fine. I mean, you can probably set that up. Yeah, true, but I'm not going to bother. If you if you know how to set that up for Krista, please uh, write in. <laughs> oh my yeah. Uh, yeah, self-addressed envelope would be good, and we can reply to you and send you a a, um... a, a PCL sticker. Uh, okay, yeah, no, four for four, totally fine with that. Great, great start. Right, okay, well, should we have a, a look at what's going on in the world of other albums this week? Yes, we shall. So, Michael Ball was uh, number one for one week on the 24th of May. Mm-hmm. And for six weeks after that, uh, Best of Lionel Richie uh, got to number one. It was just Holy huge shit. throughout the summer. So we've got a long spate of time before we hit our next number one album. And so what I've done is I've looked for the the, time, the week of uh, Michael Ball's album and then the two weeks after for the, what we're going to talk about in general. But the top ten in the week of Michael Ball's number one, uh, we've got number ten is the Commitment soundtrack. Number nine is Black Crow's Southern Army, a musical companion. 
number eight is Squeeze Greatest Hits. I don't know why that suddenly came out. I don't know if it was a re-release of some single or whatever. Who knows? Now, number seven, Iron Maiden, Fear of the Dark. So it's gone down mm-hmm. to number seven. Uh, number six, Annie Lennox, Diva, still in there. Fuck it. Uh, yep. Uh, number five, Shakespeare's Sister, Hormonally Yours, which we we talked about. It's never made number one, but hmm. you know it's not big enough for us to do anything about it. Uh, number four, Alexander O'Neill, uh, a best of, called This Thing Called Love. And again, I don't know why that's happened. It did, I don't know if he had something at that point or being used on a film. I mean, this is going to be, yeah, it's going to say something's going to shine up on a film soundtrack yeah, or it's yeah. just going to be the time to release his greatest hits album, you know? Well, quite, yeah. It's been two years since anything else, probably. Uh, then Right Said Feds Up is at number three and Simply Red Stars is at number two. It's gone back up to number two, Simply Red Stars. And we're talking yeah. about the end of May at this point. The, yeah, the end of May, the year after it came out. Yeah. Yeah, fucking mental. So that's still right, riding high. Then, load of other stuff. load of other albums coming out. A lot of really big sort of death metal stuff, to be honest. We've okay. Testament with The Ritual. Yeah, uh, well, more of a thrash record. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, Napalm Death with nice. Utopia Banished. Okay. Um, Deicide with Legion. Okay. Uh, Wasp got to number 21 with The Crimson Idol. Oh god! I mean, I mean, fuck wasp, fuck those racist pieces of shit. I've never, you know, it's one of those ones that I've never even thought. I wonder what their big hits are like. I've never even tried. Couldn't they've got a couple, look. They've got a couple of really good tunes. Have they? Not gonna, not gonna lie. Yeah, they've got okay. a couple of really big, ridiculous, fucking overblown, riffy tunes. But they are yeah. racist pieces of shit. And they can go fuck well, themselves. Fuck them then. Absolutely fuck them. Uh, then on the other side of things, we've got Stereo Lab released Peng. Uh, okay. Which is you know indie indie indie. I, I successfully avoided Stereo Lab up until this point. I don't think you'd hate them, but I don't think you get much out of it. I don't like the name Stereo Lab. Oh, it, it was always a bit too clever, clever indie for me. There are a couple of tunes yeah. that I liked, but in general, album wise, I wouldn't bother. Um, so yeah, that's that. Fatima Mansions released Valhalla Avenue, which probably wasn't uh, of interest to many people at the point, but I, I liked it. And Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth released Mecca and the Soul Brother. I, I, I never listened to enough Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth at the time, but, yeah. I, you know, you can't really fuck with them. Oh, no. I mean, Pete Rock has been part of so many of the, the big hip-hop tunes that we like. Yeah. It's, you know, you, you have to give them credit for, for that, if nothing else. Uh, but, yeah, it's very kind of rock-heavy album release period of that one we're starting to get into a point that i really remember these albums coming out as well now interestingly i see you like you can you can go yep bought that day one that sort of thing yeah, or, yeah. get in there getting getting, getting close there. enough to it yeah yeah anyway all right shall we uh right back into uh angel dust then yeah track number five smaller and smaller So we've got this kind of big, shoveling kind of behemoth of a riff going on. The keys to start following the guitar in a minute. Uh-huh. This is the longest one so far as well, over five minutes on this one. For me, there's just so many interesting rhythmic things going on in this song. Uh-huh. I mean, you said before about some of the stuff being schizophrenic and disjointed. Yeah. This is on that track. Absolutely, because if you listen to this, this is kind of like a big, slow, rolling kind of head nod. And it's kind of got this epic kind of feel about it. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the lyrics to this as well are... I mean, did you make any real sense of these lyrics? About the shining? No, no. I, I must admit I didn't. I, I was reading through them going, don't see what you're really getting at, but I just assumed that was Patton being Patton. Yeah. Deliberately not being uh, saying anything clear. I must admit, I like this song. I think this is a good tune. I think it's a really good tune. Whenever I was listening to this in the background a few times, yeah. this one washed over me more than the others did. I know what you're saying. I think I think that is absolutely fair. But I think there's some interesting bits and pieces that go on without throughout it. This is certainly uh, lower canon of this album. Sure. No, yeah, exactly. It's not a bad song by any means, but it didn't grab me in the same way that some of the others did. This is an album track. This is a great album track. The way he's phrasing around that beat that's there, I really like that. It's a terrific vocal performance again from him. This is the thing, you know, you've got the sense on a real thing that this guy could sing, but you didn't really quite get the the range and the just number of styles that he was going to be capable of. Exactly. And then we're into this bit, which is like a different song again. Yeah, this is kind of like Aboriginal chanting. Yeah, there's a breakdown. And a big old long breakdown in the middle of this. Now, this is a good tune. It's a good tune, but I I see this very much as, okay, this is track five in an album. This is an album song. It's, it's among other stuff for me. Yeah, no, no one's going to come up to you when you're DJing and go, oh, have you got smaller and smaller? Totally. Totally, and I can't imagine they them playing it live. To be honest, I think it would be that would be a strange one to certainly see in set. I'm trying to work out if I've ever seen this song played live. I Maybe I, I can't remember. I'll have to look back at the the track list of the gigs I've been doing. You see Faith and More live? Uh, well, I've seen them. I didn't see them at the time at all. I first time I saw them was that first Reformation one uh, yeah. at Brixton Academy. Was it? Yes, it would have been. I, I, I would have been there with you when they opened with Captain and Tennille reunited. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the first time I saw them. Amazing. Yeah, I, I've seen uh, them a few times. I've seen them about what, eight or nine times, maybe. Mm-hmm. This is the only album I didn't see. The only album of the Pattern era I didn't see him on because I was ill, so I wasn't able to go. So I toured with uh, L7 supporting them. Of course, yeah, the Slash the records tour, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, should we do next one then? Yeah, next one is Everything's Ruined. This was a single as well. Yeah, so this is this is the third single. And yeah, this is another big big tune. Okay, so we're starting off with the keyboard. Yeah. The amount of times I've played this song in, in kind of rock clubs, that piano intro. And it's the, the bass just kind of really... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. Just a boom. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a fantastic tune, and you can see why this was picked as a single because it is catchy. It's actually a big catchy song. Yeah, and this again, you know, it's it's back into that slightly real thing. It's got all that a really bouncy drum bass sound, yeah. like kind of got a lot of pickup in the in the rhythm section there. A lot of good faith and more shit has. And then you've got a kind of soaring kind of guitar that comes out. Mm-hmm. But it's got the classic, uh, the, the two-bit two pattern vocal where he's doing this nice, nice, yeah. uh, smooth bit into the chorus. 
goodbye. That, that guitar, like, dang, 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 dang. Jagged guitar. Yeah, so well. This is a song that I realised I didn't know the lyrics to. Right, uh, yeah. To be honest, I probably couldn't really tell you any of the lyrics, even I looked at them today. Bouncing little baby. Bom, bom, bom. A shiny copper penny. Love it, man. Um, yeah, no, I'm a, a big fan of that one. That's a, a definitely, you know, one of my favourites on there because it's it's so stuck in my head, which is something to do with uh, a cat because it's catchy, but it's also because I've heard that one umpteen times more than I've heard the rest of the album because it was a single that was being played in my clubs and stuff like that. Would you say you played that more than Midlife Crisis? No, not at all. No, Midlife Crisis was the the big one. You know, Midlife Crisis has been played more than any other Faith No More song in rock clubs, I'm going to say. I think second only to... or uh, Second would be Epic, yeah. God, Midlife Crisis is just such a perfect, distilled dance floor tune. Okay, well, let's uh, move on from Everything's Ruined to the next track. Malpractice, okay. Okay, now this sounds industrial almost. Oh, yeah, this is the heaviest yet. Yeah, there's I mean, so yeah. much going on. There. It's, a, it's a, a certain type of heavy as well. That's kind of weird, swirling noise behind there. And you've got these like, Rammstein esque drums going on. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then that riff is just. Oh, it sounds like there's four different songs being played over each other. Yeah. And then it's got yeah, really aggressive metal vocal. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of written like a kind of throttled horror movie guitar. No, and nice. then like, like kind of chant like vocal with the kind of the feedback on there. Again, this is just deep into that world of menace and uh, what the fuck's going on here, you know? Sure, yeah, it's a head fuck this one. Yeah, like real kind of layering in there, almost like you know, it kind of reminds me of like some of the sound design in The Exorcist or something Ooh, like that. Oh, well, yeah, God, that is freakishly horrible. Yeah, I mean, okay, as someone who is not a fan of Phantomus, right? Yeah. Uh, just, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Phantomus are one of Mike Patton's other side projects, and they do a lot of more kind of out-there weird stuff. In the same way as Mr. Bungle, one of his other bands, is a lot more out-there. Um, and I'm not a fan of the more out-there stuff that he does. Yeah. It's not for me. So this song is, in my head, kind of Mr. Bungle light or Phantomus light. And it's mm-hmm. just the right side. I wouldn't want a, an album of ten of these at all. I mean, you, you wouldn't get that from Mr. Bungle or Phantom Mass either. You get it more with Phantom Mass, but okay. like the, the second Mr. Bungle album is definitely a lot more in this vein. I would see that. I mean, if you listen to California, that's just a fucking weird pop record in so many ways. Right. But look, I'm, I'm listening to this as well. Right, hear these fucking synths. It's, it's like a Hitchcock soundtrack, I think. Mm, okay. Of, uh, was it Bernard Herman? Was that the guy? Yeah, of Herman did a lot of his stuff. Yeah, oh. but it's definitely not that kind of weird, suspensey kind of. But then this little bit here, where it just kind of drops out. Hmm. Oh, there's so many things going on and being coming in and going out and being turned up, pitch shifted and stuff like this. Yeah, distortion all over the place. But he's have like these this weird little kind of like ethereal uh, vocal that he's doing with this plinky keyboard, and then just straight back into that. Mm. Horrible. Yeah, it works well as a disturbing piece of music, but it's too 
weird in inverted commas for me to enjoy. I, I, oh, I'm I not fucking. I love this. I, I bet you do. Absolutely love this. Absolutely love this. I still say Faith No More are my favourite Mike Patton band. A lot of people will be like, you know, the, the Hardcore Patton fans would want you to say Mr. Bungle. That's the only acceptable answer. Sure. And I love Mr. Bungle. I fucking love Mr. Bungle. But I still prefer Faith No More because at heart I do love that. When, when he reins himself back into that pop sensibility and you really hear what he's doing, I, you know. Well, have it juxtaposed with all these other little bits and just have the whole smorgasbord of it. Right. But, you know, like that Dead Cross record that he did, I wasn't interested in that because it was just too... A little bit one note for my liking. But anyway, right, so that is cool. uh, That's Malpractice. Practice. Let's have a listen to the next track, which is called Kindergarten. So again, I think this is another point where the album's really well-tracked, because you go straight from that fucking weird, abrasive, kind of nightmare-scape of that into this, which is a... Oh, yeah, totally relative normality again. Yeah, pleasant. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. But, it's a good... Uh, it's a good balance that they've struck there. But you think, but you're there, you're going, oh yeah, this is nice now. And then the first lyric comes and it's, return to my own vomit like a dog. <laughs> and you go, oh, hang on, no. And all of a sudden you're like, oh no, this was just lighter in comparison to the last song. This is still really dark. Oh, totally. Yeah, but this is all about um, not being able to kind of grow up and... Yeah. You're being stuck developmentally, and you're not maturing. And is that acceptable? Can you just do you the same shit all the time, or do you need to grow into something better? Again, I wonder how he feels about that lyric now. But yeah, no, this is a nice tune. See, I like this song. I think it's a very good song, but again, it's a bit background a lot of the time for me. This is another album song. See, this is this is the thing. I went through a period where this was one of my favourite songs on this album. Really? Yeah, yeah, I went through and this was one of my favourite. But I've been through periods with nearly every song on this record where, oh, I where see, I've okay. just been like, you know, it was like, you know, like with uh, the last record, like Underwater Love all of a sudden was one of my favourite fucking songs for ages. And okay. it's just like, you live with something for long enough, all of a sudden you just like pick up on something and it just gets in your head. But yeah, you know, I, I would say this is a mid-table song now. Yeah. Uh, but I still like hearing it live. If they if they break this out live, I'm like, oh yeah, fucking playing this. Oh, definitely, de- de- yeah, for sure. But yeah, it, it's not it's not going to be in my top third of this album. Anyway, like that's kindergarten. Okay, do one more before we take a break. Do the next one. Be aggressive. Okay, so this is be aggressive. This is a song written by Roddy Bottom. They're their uh, keyboard player. Yes, indeed. Right, yeah. Who was still briefly in the closet at, at this point. Uh, when I read that he came out in 92, so I don't know if it was before yeah. or after this album was released or not. I think I remember it happening while I was at college, and it being like, oh, oh I see, no, yeah. one, no one gives a shit. Right. But yeah, so, so this is one... Patton did the majority of the vocal for this entire album. He, he wrote with some of the other members of the band on various ones, like some were him and Roddy Bottom, some were him and Billy Gould, but uh, this one is just by Roddy Bottom. And would you say that it's your favourite song about blowjobs? Uh, no, that is uh, Like a Prayer by Madonna. Okay. But, right. but it's pretty fucking good, man. <laughs> it's uh, a great song. It's a great song. I have a fucking beat behind it. Oh, it, it's wonderful because it's such a, a, just a, 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 a sort of triplets and shit going on drum beat with this 
cheerleader, um, old clear cut American cheerleader stuff going on. And then the yeah. song is just about giving a man a blowjob. Exactly, man. I swallow, I swallow, I swallow. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I love, I love the fact that he's called Roddy Bottom. It's uh, perfect. Too perfect. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Perfect. I really enjoyed this song. I really, I think this is a, just exactly the right kind of mental. Oh, totally. This is one of the most fun songs on here. This is, you know, in so many ways. The tune is really catchy. It thunders along, and it's like, tongue in cheek or dicky in cheek. Uh, you know, it's very, <laughs> very, very silly, <laughs> silly lyrics. Ah, <laughs> uh, we've all been there. <laughs> um, I do. Uh, I saw as well that. Um, someone had written that Roddy Bottom when he wrote this song was really kind of it amused him so much that he'd written this and knowing that Mike Patton was the one going to have to sing it on stage obviously Mike Patton don't give two fucks he's well up for doing that but it really tickled Roddy Bottom to to have done that to him (laughs) yeah fair play now this is great fun and this is another one actually this is one of the ones maybe Land of Sunshine but this is one of the ones that you would get asked for in a rock club that wasn't a single. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I remember this being played. I remember this being played in rock clubs quite a bit. Yeah, because again, you know, just the the B E A G G that sort of stuff is brilliant for people to get involved and shout along with. Yeah. Uh, but that's track nine of thirteen. Uh, right, but let's let's take a break from from Angel Dust again and look at the singles that are going on. In the week of... I keep forgetting that Mike, we did the Michael Ball thing at the start. The week of Michael Ball's number one album. Um, the top ten this week looks as follows. Number ten is a new entry. Okay. Uh, let's Exciting. see if you can remember this one. It was a big tune. Okay. I think this was his first one, but he did have a bigger hit later on. But uh, this is definitely one of the ones he's known for. He's only known for like two songs. Or something. Okay. Ring any bells? Um, it's, it's, it's still a bit early. I think we're just in the intro at the minute, so that's when I get to the. to ring a bell ah oh, the fuck is this ah <laughs> oh, oh, some fucking Poundland Bruce Springsteen uh, yeah I guess that, that sounds about right um the song's called Hazard oh it's fucking Richard Marks Richard Marks Hazard I thought the fucking thing is right I thought it was Richard Marks and I went no Richard Marks was about three or four years old earlier than this I was like, this is like Richard oh, no, Marks, right. but what is it? What is it? No, it's fucking Richard Marks. Yeah, absolutely. I knew, I knew what that. I knew what that was, and I just went, oh no, it can't be. And my timeline's out. Damn it. Well, Fuck's okay, sake. that's a hazard at number ten. Number nine, uh, Shakespeare's Sister. I don't care. Number eight, The Cure. Friday, I'm in love. Number seven, SL2 on a ragged tip. Number six, On Vogue, My Lovin'. Number five, Ugly Kid Joe. Everything about you. Number four is a new entry, and you'll get this right away because they say it pretty much right away here it is I know the words to this song <laughs> really <laughs> jump jump yeah 
Crisscross. There you go. I love my stuff knocking, knocking. I love it when the girl is like chalking, chalking. A D E W D Y M A C. Yeah, yeah, you know me. I got you humping and bumping and moving and moving all around you. There you go. I know all that. You okay? Wow, I, that, you I wasn't do. even. I, I wasn't even singing it over the fucking song. I was half a verse ahead. <laughs> Don't try to compare us to another bad little fat on the Mac and I'm back. Give it something that you never have. I did, did, you, I, I did enjoy that at the time. I remember liking it, but I remember liking it probably quite secretly because it wasn't cool. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of liked it ironically. I could kind of right. get away with that. You know, that kind of, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm liking this ironically. <laughs> yeah, this pop like nonsense. It. I listen to Ice Cube, don't you know? Yeah. yeah do, you know, do you know the story behind that track, though, as well? I don't know if you heard... Yeah, I was, I was listening to, uh, not. I think it was, uh, I think it was Everlast on Talib Kweli's show. And they were talking, and they were talking about uh, this song. And what happened is uh, Rough House, who were Cypress Hill's uh, label, right. wanted to sign House of Pain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but they gave him some like shitty lowball offer and House of Pain were like, fuck that. And they were like, even Muggs was like, fuck this, guys. We're not, you know, because uh, Jump Around was, was starting to get some traction in clubs right, and shit okay. like that, right? Basically, when they signed to Tommy Boy, the head of Rough House Records went to Jermaine Dupree and went, oh yeah, this these guys have got this, this song come out, do a song about Jump. And basically got it to market and got Criss Cross out there before they had their big proper release. And like, uh-huh. and so like, so like, basically, they all went into Tommy Boy Records, and they're like, "We're fucked. We're fucked." This song's dropped, and they're like, "No, fuck you!" And they just dropped it out straight away, and it was an enormous, enormous hit. But it was a deliberate attempt to try and fuck over House of Pain. That song, how bizarre! Yeah, crazy. All right, it? I didn't know that at all. There you go. Right. I mean, according according to Everlast, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, take that with a pinch of salt for sure. But oh, that's interesting enough. I like that. There you go. Uh, right, number three is Guns N' Roses, Knocking on Heaven's Door. Mm-hmm. Number two is a new entry, but it's not in its original form on Spotify, and I couldn't be bothered trying to do it any other way. Uh, Shut Up and Dance with Raving I'm Raving. Oh, God, Raving I'm that? Raving. Yeah, of course I do, yeah. It was the kind of song that all the... F- all, one of the songs that all the fucking rough kids at school liked. Oh, indeed. It's it's Chav Rave is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, did, I was looking for it, and I couldn't find it on Spotify, but I did get to play 20 points to get in again off Spotify with another Shut Up and Dance tune and that yep. is still a banger that's still a no, great I don't song. think I remember that one uh, massive massive breakbeat tune uh, from like 91 uh, one of those ones that you can see that they were heading towards jungle at that point okay yeah Fair terrific uh, but that, yeah, raving I'm raving absolute bullshit and number one speaking of absolute bullshit is still KWS with Please Don't Go I mean Please Just Go fucking dreadful that's your top ten. Uh, other singles, though. There's a good few ones out here. Um, right, this, I'll play you this one first. It's got to number 22 uh, in the charts, and this is a brilliant song. A slow like start. Slow start, but pretty instantly into a good old breakbeat dance tune. That is a nice break. And, uh, this is a, one of the big dance tunes. This is one of the more well-known big ones. This is. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, got it. Oh, you got it. Yeah, Papua New Guinea. Yeah, uh, future sign of London. Sound of London, yeah. Yeah, that's a brilliant song. I love that. I, I remember that coming out at the time and thinking, 
I've not really heard something along these lines as good as this before. This was just yeah, fair enough, beautifully done. Big fucking tune. Big tune. Um, one that I'm not going to play because you won't get it anyway is Cud with Rich and Strange. Got to number 24. I nice. love that. It was a really good, it's just, you know, jangly indie guitar stuff. Really good fun. Um, number 27. And we've, we've just mentioned them, in fact. Skinhead named Scrap. I beg your pardon. <laughs> oh no, it's not. No, it's Everglade, isn't it? Sorry, it's Everglade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I thought it was. I thought it was second track. Yeah, I was wrong. All right, no. L7's Everglade. That's a brilliant song as well. You, do you but... remember the song I'm talking about, though? No. I invented a skinhead named Scrap. He lived in my friend's garage. <laughs> no. <laughs> Every day he's shaking that spray paint can. It's it's like the second track on Bricks Are Heavy. Oh, I see. I don't remember it. I have to go back. No, That's yeah. a, it's a really I, great fucking tune. Um, this this one. Only got to number 52, uh, and I thought it was higher. I suspect this came out again and got higher, but this is the first time we've seen seen it. Do you remember this at all? No, I mean, it sounds like Deacon Blue or something, but... Right, no, uh, I, I think, I mean, you'll, you'll know it when I say it, because it was a, a yeah, big, big well. hit. Oh. Oh. Oh, right, it's kicking in. I can see your face. You do know yeah, it. yeah. It's one of those artists. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one, in that kind of group of uh-huh. fucking beige corduroy. Um, it's like fucking Anita Baker or something. Who is it? No, it's KD Lang. KD Lang? Fuck me, it yeah. is KD Lang. Constant Craving. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Her, her biggest hit, I'd imagine, as well. I think I oh, God, now I said it's one of those artists. Now that sounds like I was fucking <laughs> making a homophobic slur. That's not what it was. I was in the wrong place. I thought it was like fucking su- smooth fucking... Smooth uh, jazz. Jazz funk, yeah. <laughs> See, that's I wasn't, I... I wasn't talking about... I wasn't talking about that in any way, shape, or form. Oh, brilliant! Love it. Oh, fuck it. Uh, there uh, you go. That's that's me. That's me. Fucking cancelled. You're cancelled, mate. Cancelled. Um, Homophobe Dave Fenson. Pop Lee itself did release Carmadrome during this time period, okay. which is a brilliant Pop Lee itself single. Um, this another one got to number twenty-seven at some point, and this got it's got a big long intro, but it's got a spoken wordy bit at the start before it kicks in. Yes, yes. This is ridiculous. So absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, Feed by Frankenstein uh, uh-huh. <laughs> from the uh, Wayne's World soundtrack, Alice Cooper. Was it on the Wayne's World one? Yeah. Was it? I say, I, I just assumed it was on the same one as um, was on his Poison album. because that was. I'm not sure it was. Uh, but oh, I could uh, think it's uh, totally wrong. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe, maybe it was on, on that. Uh, what was that album called? It was called... Um, oh, fuck, Trash? Album called? Trash, that's right, yeah. Uh, I, th- um, I think it was just a soundtrack. Sure. It might just be on Wayne's World. I couldn't tell you. But I do remember it being around and me thinking it was very silly, but a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's and, very you know, silly. Alice Cooper in a nutshell, really, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Exactly that. Right. Uh, and the only other one I have picked out, I'm going to play to you, and you'll get who it is once the vocals come in, but I don't remember this song at all. It only got to number 67, and it's before they 
can't say broke through, but it's before they became as respected and ubiquitous. Exactly, they weren't as ubiquitous as they would be at one point. But I don't remember this this single at all. It's called Too Deep. Yeah, I mean, I I know this, but I don't remember it at the time. I know this from the Greatest Hits record. Right, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, yeah, one of their their minor hits. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have named that song to you without the title. Not at all. No, and you know, to be honest, I wouldn't have got it if Guru hadn't come in either. I wouldn't have spotted it necessarily as a gangstar track. Yeah. But there you go. Okay, that's all I've got. Singles. Right, so we've got four tracks left on this album to go to back end of the album. So the next one was the second single. It's called A Small Victory. Okay, so this was... This is... Uh, you know, one one of the you know one of the biggest singles. This got played a lot in clubs at the time. Definitely. This is not one of my favourite songs on this album. Okay. Is it because it is? I mean, this has been described as basically the most radio-friendly one, which is why it was the second single. Is yeah, that, is a that little bit. Why it's not I, one of your favourites? I just I just don't think I just don't think the main riff is particularly interesting. I don't think the main body of the song is super interesting. Okay. I think there are. I think there are lots of bits in it that I really, really like. I, I would not say I dislike this song in any way, but it's just not one of my favourites. Oh, I think uh, it's a brilliant and, song. Uh, I think it's okay. I think it's, I think it's fine. If they play it live, I'm going to sing along to the bits that I enjoy. But I just think this has got a nice beat to it, mm-hmm. but it just hasn't got the bite. And I don't think the vocal here across the, the main verse is that interesting. And it's not until... It starts breaking down later. Yeah. That I think it's that interesting. And this. Keep my mouth shut. It's okay, you know. I don't. I just don't. It doesn't grab me loads. What is it right. you love about it? I, I I love. I mean, I love that there's actually a tune to it that I can sing along to, and it's a very poppy tune. I think it's as catchy as all hell. Uh, See that bit? So, that it, yeah, this sorry. bit's terrific. But even the the verse bit that you didn't like, I do. I like the. The, the really just niceness of it. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan I of that. I, I, it's not because it's nice that I've got the issue. It's just I just don't think it's a particularly catchy tune. Doesn't it, oh, right. it's 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 kind of if if when they go poppy, I like there to be something to really hook onto, and I just I just don't think there's enough edge oh, to this track. Okay. I'm, I'm the other side of that. I think there is a hook to this, and it it it, it does get me going. I love this one. Fair fucking play, man. I, mm. Again. You know, not not my least favourite song on the track, but I would expect to like it more because it was one of the big singles. For sure, for sure. But this but bit here. This bit's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's such fun. Yeah, see this, all this bit of the stuff where it starts breaking down. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, this is fun. Oh, uh, yeah. This is great, great stuff. Bit of a guitar solo. The bit at the end of this, right? Yeah, at the very end of the song, where it's yeah. you know, if I speak at one constant, yeah. look, that's a what's that about? I don't. I know no idea. No idea about because the rest of the song seems to be about it's a small victory. It's about winning and the, the the how losing anything is such a fucking crushing defeat when you're yeah. brought up to believe that winning is everything. And I get that, but. Just that, that bit at the end, I, I don't know where he's going with it. 
Well, I mean, I, I don't know either. I mean, my suspicion is if he's got a bit written for another song that all of a sudden he finds a bit that it fits in with, he's just yeah. going to fucking stick it in because it's going to sound good. Could well be. Could well be. But, right, cool. No, I, I'm a big fan of that one. I, I'm, I'm in on that. Yeah, I, I'm not a massive fan of it. I think there's, you know, the back end of the tune is infinitely more interesting for more me. For you, right. It's like one of those songs, if they don't play it live... I don't mind. I would rather hear a deeper cut from the album than to hear this single. Fine. So, uh, move on to the next one. Crack Hitler. Okay. We can hear immediately this low... Okay, this starts to come in. Weirdness. We're back in menacing territory. We're in a horror movie kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We've got the scariest thing of all on a rock record, a wah pedal. (laughs) It's a scary wah though, isn't it? Yep. And we've got a siren alarm that kind of comes in underneath. Pat's kind of whispering something weird. Something's going to kick off. I was reading that a lot of the sounds on this album were Ronnie Bottom would just like drive around and record stuff you yeah. know, on, a, on a little tape player that he would use underneath other things. The Found sirens sounds. being one of them. Yeah. yeah there's a big synth want, you, overtone yeah, now. Yeah, still got that kind of funky bass. Sure. But it, but it, this couldn't sound further from like a Red Hot Chili Peppers song if you tried. Right, sure. And this is about a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Yep, gets self-obsessed with his own power. Starts comparing yep. himself to Hitler. Crack Hitler, indeed. That's fucking, I, I, again, this is... The, these are the, the songs that I particularly, particularly love on this record. They're, like, they're right. ones that... Like crack it, that to me. This is one of my favourites on the album. The, the weird kind of keyboard, the way it, it kind of. Uh, how can I describe what I like about the keyboard? It sounds like it should be in an Argento film. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it is that. There is certainly. A, again, this is you know you were talking about elements of Phantom Mass. Yeah. This is like if someone went, okay, make a Phantom Mass song accessible. This is the accessible Phantom Mass track. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this one. I say I love this one. Yeah, this doesn't do anything for me at all. This sounds like it is... Whenever I think of Phantomus and I think of Mr. Bungle, them trying to be a bit weird for the sake of being weird, and I'm not into that. This this is that side of the band for me. Oh, so I don't think they're doing it for the sake of being weird. I think they're doing it because that's just exactly what they want to fucking do. Oh, yeah, but what they want to do is be weird. Yeah, no, I, I don't don't get anything from this one at all, really. Oh, this is one of my favourites on the on the album. I oh, love this. Strange. This is see, I think this little section of the album. I go, well, you know, if, if, if you're not if you're not digging it that much, we'll shift on and listen to the next track. The next track is the oh. longest track on the album by a good yes. shop. Yes, it is. So, uh, and you know, this is definitely the heaviest section of the record. We go for small victory, which is the poppiest, lightest, uh-huh. straight into this. And then we go into track uh, uh, 12, which is Jizzlobber. Jizzlobber is definitely probably my favourite one whenever I'm playing charades with my family off this album. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. (laughs) One word, song. Okay, okay, auntie, you're going to need some shampoo. (laughs) I'll listen to that, though. 
Yep, that's wicked. Yeah, that, that, that is, you know, the, those kind of off-key piano stabs unsettling again. You see, I've got this as a kind of psycho-esque, uh, the, the, the piano stabs. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, there's very much on that. It's that kind of hot tension, you know, it, you know, definitely a bit of, you know, a bit of, uh, uh, um, bit of Hitchcock, also a bit of Goblin in there somewhere. Mm-hmm, sure. But, but this is, you know, seven minutes of basically pure nastiness. Mm-hmm. It's got that weird kind of noise under the really super sludgy guitar, almost like doom metal in the guitar. But yeah. Difference between you got this fucking pace running behind it. Pattern sounds genuinely unhinged. Right, yeah. On this bit. And it's like the way he's like deliberately fucking blowing notes out when he's singing. It's like, blah, blah. <coughs> I can't fucking run that shit. <laughs> this, this is the one uh, where lyrics were Patton and Jim Martin collaborating on the lyrics on this one. Well, this is, you know, you feel a bit of Jim Martin influence on this one. Right. But, I mean, that metal chug in the middle, wasn't it? That lyric on there, well, I'm trying to remember what that actual lyric is, because for years I didn't realise that was a lyric. I just thought he was just screaming, like doing like a rhythmic oh, I see, scream right. on it. I mean, the lyrics are all about his fear of being in prison, as far as yeah. I can tell, and uh, being trapped and beaten and sexually abused and that sort of shit but it'll, it'll come in a minute but that bit where he says I hide the dirty minutes under my dirty mattress and they're making me itch right it's fucking horrible it's so the way it's delivered like the rhythm of it it's amazing now this is terrific and this is kind of I would say this is almost the official last song on the album because the next one is a cover version so this is the last yep. Faith No More song on here which is why I'm happy to let it go being, you know, nearly seven minutes long yep. and having this minute and a half organ outro going yeah. on. Which <laughs> is fucking ridiculous. And it, exactly. It is ridiculous. But because it's almost the crescendo of the whole album, that's fair enough. You know, you, you couldn't have put this at track number three, I don't think. That's good. Oh, my God. Terrific. But so, so right. you like this one, but you don't like the last one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think this is terrific. I think this is, this is even though it's got more, um, it is you know, disjointed and it's got the, the similar, a, a scary vibe to it. Yeah, it hangs together better as a song, and it's got more of a through line of a tune for me. That's so weird to me because I would have, I would have put it the other way around. I mean, I always, I always think of Crack Hitler and Jizzlobber as being, you know, almost like a. A piece together because okay. it's, the, it's that last heavy section of the album before you get into Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, but for me, I think like Jizzlobar with all of its fucking weird bits and like like that, that really super heavy riff and the, the, the weird kind of sludgy timing. I always think of this is the weirder of the two songs. I think this is the hard for me. I would have right. presumed this would be the harder sell. I say uh, not for me. I mean, maybe it's because I don't see any real, real tune in Crack Hitler. I don't see any real riffs where, where this is a variety of riffs to me. Yeah. Fair enough. But no, I, I see, I think this is a great way to end an album. End being in inverted commas, obviously. Yeah, I, I love this one. Again, this is another one of my, you know, if you ask me to, uh, if you ask me to pick two favourite songs on this album and 
it was the uh, the midlife crisis kind of in memoriam song. I wasn't allowed to pick that. Uh-huh. I would have caffeine and jizzlobber. Those Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, fair enough, mate. Okay. And so yeah, and then so after the mental heaviness of that, we come into an incredibly straight cover of mm-hmm. Midnight Cowboy theme from Midnight yeah. Cowboy. And yeah, it really is yeah. just a lovely cover version of a really nice tune. Yeah. It's, I mean, I have very little to say about this. If you if you like the original version, this is a very, very well done version of that. If you've never heard the original, it's a really nice, lilting uh, instrumental piece with a slightly melancholy undertone to yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. I, I love it, and I think it... I don't but, know. Would this album be... Here's a question. Yeah. Is this album better with or without it at the end? I think it's better with it. Ooh... I, mean, I would say I totally think it works with it on it. To me, mm-hmm. if, if, if I think of it as a piece of work, I think of up to the end of Jizzlobber as the concert, and then the lights go up and this plays as you leave. Fair enough. Oh, that, that is a really good way of putting it, actually. Well, once really once like you've that. had your fucking face beaten in in the middle of the crowd and watched that show, yeah. this is your relief as you as you part ways. I love that. That's a really nice way of putting it, mate. Yeah, right. no, I, I like that. I, I don't have much more to add to it. I, I like it. I think it's a really a good inclusion. I've got no issue with this album ending with this song. I have more of an issue with the reissue. Right. Because I think ending on easy ruins the flow of the record. I see. Okay. Well, it's definitely the sore thumb whenever that's that yeah. comes on. Yeah. It is tacked on. But I don't mind it because, obviously... I love it as a cover version. I think it's a brilliantly done version. It's the right level of sincerity and ridiculousness because it's yeah. a fucking cheesy song. But I see what you mean. It doesn't fit on Angel Dust. It's not an Angel Dust song. Okay, so look, we're at the end of that album. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, it holds up, doesn't it? You know, it, it really does. It really does. And you've said, oh no, no, you haven't. We didn't ask this. Is this your favourite Faith No More album? Well, look. The, the constant run running argument amongst fans of the Mike Patton era, there, there is a whole Faith No More sub-argument about who, you know, what's better, right. Faith No More or the Chuck Mosley thing. Yeah, okay. And there's that, I mean, that's a fucking pointless argument. There's no, there's no argument for the Chuck... There are great moments in the Chuck Mosley stuff, but there is no argument for Not Faith sure. No More being a better band with Chuck Mosley um, that I think is in any way persuasive. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The other argument that exists is which is their best album? Is it this album or is it King for a Day, Fall for a Lifetime, which is the album that comes after that? Now, mm-hmm. to me, that argument is very much like what is your favourite testicle? It's mm-hmm. like uh, we've all got one we prefer, but <laughs> but you wouldn't want to lose. You'd never want to lose the other one, right? Okay, and you yeah, and you know it's it's a very small margin that you prefer it by. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's the one that's performing right? better on the day. Yeah, exactly. And some right. and some and, and some days you won't be able to tell the difference. Some days sure. you won't have it wrong. But look, for me, I love King for a Day for uh, for, for a lifetime. It's one of my favourite records. I've got a poster of it on my wall, just there. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I think Angel Dust is their best work. I think it's. I, I yeah. don't think they ever got better than this. I think it's the most fucking just weirdly schizophrenic, fucking heavy. You know, they 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 did more kind of croony stuff and bits and pieces. There's some really heavy moments on King for a Day, but mm. this for me, it's just abrasive and it's nasty and it. You feel the conflict from within the band 
with it, I think, from the, the arguments that they were having. Right. And it, it, it just it, it just feels like a real kind of... I mean, it's their, their defining album, really, isn't it? I think it, it depends who you speak to. I think, you know, in the States, they're, still, they're a band that are still quite largely defined by... Uh, the real thing in a lot of places because well, it was that, so that's, much th- th- those would be the two for me that I'm between I'm between the real thing and this not King for a Day yeah I know but I mean I don't think you kind of did, how much did you dig into King for a Day not much at all didn't particularly like it uh, in the yes. same way whenever I first heard it and so I left it that... yeah, see King for a Day is an album I just spent so much time with I, you know, I could I, I could argue, on, on the right day I could argue for King for a Day being the better album fine but on consensus, I would say Angel Dust is, is is the right answer. Fair play. Well, still worth doing. Uh, I'm glad that we had something that wasn't Michael Ball to talk about this week. Fuck me. Thank God we talked about that. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, it, I find these actually sometimes more difficult to talk about, the ones that we've lived with for yeah. so long. And you have to kind of dig in and go follow the same process. It's almost more difficult to do it because you bring such an amount of, of history with you but I'm, yeah, definitely. I feel like this is such a good record it's one, you know, it's one of my favourite ever records always the, yeah. there's no this would never not be in my top 10 records of all time never mm-hmm. wouldn't be in my top 5 records of all time I don't think right um, and you can see the response that we got whenever we said on Twitter that we were going to be doing this people were very effusive and, yes you know, indeed the, yeah, I'm gonna... were agreeing that this was a great great album yeah, let me read a couple of those out. Oh, yeah. that's, Ooh, a good, that's, that's a that's a good. Actually, shout. while you're doing that, I will just say, uh, in terms of Twitter, just uh, thanks to whenever, because we did the Iron Maiden one yeah. uh, last week or the last episode. Oh yeah, apologies that we haven't uh, released anything in a couple of weeks. We've just been busy, so there you go. That's what you get. Um, but we, whenever we put the Iron Maiden one out, a good few, you know, n- non-regular listeners got in contact, sort of new people. And uh, uh, there's another podcast called Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, which just talks about Iron Maiden, who uh, gave us a shout out and said that, yeah, fair enough, he does agree with a lot of our takes on it. It's not their best album. And he was really nice. Uh, so thank you very much, Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Go and check them yeah, out. Yeah, go check, out, go a, check them out, man. If you're a fan of Maiden. Or if you're not and you want to learn a bit more. Well, too, true. A uh, good guy that I know, comic uh, called Ben Clover, absolutely fantastic comedian. Uh, got in touch. Basically, he was he was saying he thinks King for a Day is better, but very oh. close. He thinks okay. it might be the purest expression of their easy listening metal and whatever you'd call small victory, midlife crisis, and everything ruined. Oh. Uh, you know. Well, I mean, Dave Roddy, who's got in contact a few times, he said that uh, he got this from school on like basically the the day of release, lunchtime at school, and he had four days to learn it before he went to see Guns N' Roses, Faith No More, and Soundgarden. So yeah, it must have been just as that was happening. Uh, so yeah, he's a big fan. He's he's shown us his uh, his Faith the More Angels collection with a few of the singles on vinyl as well. Yeah, Mike Collins has been in contact with us. Good lad, Mark yeah, Co- yeah. Mike Collins, with his fucking ticket for the uh, for the haircuts that kill gig at the Marquee, which was the uh, the secret gig where they mm. came back and played this stuff in the UK for the first time. He was at that gig. I yeah. was not. So fuck you, Mike Collins. Well, wasn't it Mike who was gonna uh, who was helping us get tickets for the show that. Is definitely not happening this summer as well. Yep, he did yeah. help us. He's uh, we, we, we love we him. Supposed Mike. to be meeting up for a PCL drink beforehand. <sighs> All gone, mate. All gone. fucking gone. But yeah, thank Phil Guthrie's Phil, Phil Guthrie. We, we were talking about Phil Guthrie. Yeah, my, uh, my mate Phil. Yeah, he, he said his mum used to like Michael Ball. Yes, she did, apparently. That's not all she liked, Phil. Fucking hell, really? I'm not going there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
But yeah, so yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people liking the tweets, a lot of people uh, in into that. I know a lot of our regulars are big Faith No More fans, so shout yeah. out to you. If you're not, I would recommend if you've got even the slightest alternative kind of hard rock bone in your uh, in your body, check that album out. If you have, you probably already know that album Absolutely. anyway. Absolutely. If you're just a pure pop music fan, you may not care for it, I would suggest, but I think Never it's know. a wonderful, wonderful record. Anyway, um, I, well, he, here is a dilemma, Christa Greer. Oh. Because the obviously we don't pick any songs from that Faith No More album to go on our playlist. No, we don't. No, but Michael Ball we did review. But Michael Ball is not on Spotify. Well, the only one that is on Spotify is Love Changes Everything. I'm not putting that on my playlist. No, I, I think we can give ourselves the out that if the album's not on Spotify, then we don't have to give you the service of putting a song on the playlist. You, you've exactly. not done us any favors. We're not going to do any any favor. So I'm fine leaving that but, off. By the same mark that we haven't put any Pavarotti on there, we're con- yeah. we're, we're classing Michael Ball under specialist music. <laughs> Quite yes, exactly. <laughs> specialist specialist interests for perverts only, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Phil Guthrie's mum. Yeah, yeah which, well, you, know, you know, which I don't want to see the Ven- I don't want to see the Venn diagram of because uh, <laughs> Phil. Oh, I've never met Phil, and he's only ever been nice to me on the podcast. So I'm not going to start insulting no. his mum like you have, Krista. Well. Uh, and your mum listens to this podcast. How's she going to feel about mum jokes? Uh, she understands. She, she's, you know, already disappointed enough. I think you should take a moment and apologise to both Phil Guthrie, your mother, and all <laughs> our listeners. Oh, 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 mate, you can you can tell it in my, my face. I'm sorry for anything I ever say on here. But... Oh, I don't believe it, mate. He's literally holding a sign that says bollocks. Anyway, thank you for joining us for another yeah. Zoom-based, in-lockdown uh, pop collaborating listen. Uh, we are continuing to do our quizzes every Friday at the moment. They start 8 o'clock UK time. Uh, last week we had about, what, 18 teams? Yeah. 17, 18 teams? Absolutely. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Come along and join us. It's very sweary and uh, kind of vaguely ramshackle with some some surprisingly professional elements is the way I would describe it. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, that's on our Facebook page. We're on Facebook Live. So come and uh, give the Facebook page a like and then you'll see whenever that goes live. Anyway, thank you for joining us. And yeah, we'll be back next time with The Orb. The Orb. Yes, exactly. I've got a feeling that might be quite hard to talk about that record. We'll see. Yes, I suspect you're right. I think it'll be a, a nice album but I think you know breaking it down into tracks and talking about each track is going to be a bit of a struggle we shall see anyway take care of yourselves guys we will see you soon thank you for joining us cheers bye thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen it was produced and edited by us for which we can only apologise we are on Twitter at PCL Podcast on Instagram also at PCL Podcast and facebook.com slash podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com. 